Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Ari is spinning the dials, running things here at Finley Toyota Studios. Willer Ramirez is the company. Big hour on the way. Lots of NFL. Steve Cofield on a Monday. I'm excited. I'm excited to find out what Willie's got to say. Seems like all the media has spoken up now about Josh Jacobs. Trade him or don't trade him. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. So, hometown hero Pete Rose, longtime Vegas resident, popped up in Philadelphia. If you missed it earlier, we played uh, TV Bite when he went on the uh, Phillies TV broadcast and he, he dropped a uh, strong term for Wiener. Then he dropped an S bomb. Not good. Not good. Then apparently during media availability, a woman decided to ask, this is a female reporter, not just some random woman, Right. a female reporter decided to ask Pete Rose about the stories that are out a couple years ago that Pete might have been betting underage girls, not women, but like 13, 14-year-olds were the allegations. Pete responded with, I'm not here to, uh, I'm not here to answer questions like that, babe. It was 55 years ago, babe. Oh, there it is. 55 years ago, babe. All right. So what do we do here? What do we do here? Eh, old guy. Well. Old guy. Because Pete Rose is a fascinating topic. Let's. I actually, I was talking to someone on Twitter Mm. about two weeks ago who was trying to make the case that Pete should be in the Hall of Fame. Because what's wrong with betting on her team? And I responded, I was like, do we know that's all he did? Do we know that he didn't bet against his team? And the person was like, well, where's the proof? And I, I pointed to a, I think it was like a 2013 New York Post story. John Dowd, who certainly has some, you know, there's some questions around him as well. But he was, you know, part of the investigation. He thought that Pete bet against the Reds at times, too. And I tend to believe him. I I don't have any facts on that because you and I have both been around people who are problem gamblers. You know, when you get in the soup, you do what you have to do to get out. I don't think that you should, whether you're a manager or a player or anything, I don't think that you should be betting on the sport in which you're involved. We've been through this a million times in 20 years. Right. If you're only betting on your team, then obviously those games are more important. That could change attitudes with pitchers, lineups, your bullpen. It changes your mentality. It's an integrity of that game. That's right. It changes your mentality. Because you're thinking more about your bet than you are, even if you're betting on your team. So if you're betting on your team and and you all of a sudden, you know, your closer has pitched X amount of innings and – his arm and now, but you're now you're thinking about your bet. Well, you may put that closure in. You could, you're, you're going to be thinking more about your bet than you are the team, the standings, and that could, you know, wear wear down the health of your players. So it shouldn't, it should not be a part of the game. It, it is a big deal, even if you're betting on your own team. Is baseball making a big mistake if uh, Pete passes on? They don't put him in the Hall of Fame while he's alive. 
I still, I think uh, now on that note, I think he should be put into the Hall of Fame. I, if, if we're now if we're asking about the Hall of Fame, I think Pete Rose belongs in the Hall of Fame, but I also think that uh, Barry Bonds belongs in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, you're just going to put them. You're going to. I'm the asterisk guy. I'm the category guy. There's a. There's a, obviously a steroid era because let's be real, people. Those of you on your soapbox and the holier than now PED stance. For every guy that's been caught, there are probably just as many that haven't been that are probably in the whole thing. Number four. Golden Knights with uh, two young guys back in the fold. Busy weekend. Solid. Signed up Keegan Colasar. Signed up Nick Waugh. Did what they had to do. Um, don't got a problem with either one of them. They're building blocks. They've been with the team. And, you know, with the new regime in place, they obviously like what they've seen. They've had their meetings. They've made their discussions. McCrimmon locks them up. I mean, it's not its not bad. I mean, I, I'm still not sure about the entire four-line depth. You know, if somebody goes down, you're looking at one of these guys to move up to the second line, potentially the first, because I want to know more about Mark Stone. I want to know where this, you know, yes, I mean, he had something similar done to what I had done to my meniscus. They removed a portion and the recovery process. It's all recoverable, but there's still going to be those. The the less cushion you have between bones, there's going to be some pain. So, I mean, I, I, I want to know more about this back injury. I think Eichel's fine because he took some hits since his neck surgery and recovery, and he was out there flying around. Um, but the health of this team is important, so... You know, I'm, I'm not writing off Keegan Colasar and Nick Waugh as far as being able to fill in. I just don't know if they can, with the caliber of play that they're expecting from the top two lines, if they have to step up. But they're definitely legitimate um, signings and extensions. They they deserve that, and I'm glad to see that they're back. You know, we were talking about training camps, Willie. Yeah. Earlier with UNLV football and and Raiders and hell, you know, week zero in college football, like 19 days away. NHL training camps are not far away. We're looking at a little over four weeks. Yep. Exhibition games. End of September. End of September, early October. My final payment for my season ticket package is coming up. Robin Leonard Mm. starts off the regular season on the active list. Give me odds. Ooh. The yes and the no odds? Yes. Correct. Right now, I'm going to make it uh, minus 115 on both sides. Oh, really? Yep. Would we haven't like, heard anything. Would you like to bet that? Yeah, what do you want to bet? Minus 115. So we'll just uh, straight up bet. All right. I'll take the no. We haven't heard well, anything. Well, I kind of like the no, too. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, because we haven't heard anything, and that's a little – like we've heard updates with people that have had the mm-hmm. surgery. Like we heard about Robin Leonard having surgery, but mm-hmm. there's been no updates. Right. And 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 he had something going on in the lower body injury, right? He had something – There's there were other injuries. I am not writing off anything that Frank Saravelli said just because Robin Leonard got snarky in press conferences. Because basically what he originally said came true. He had to have work on his shoulder. So – um, whatever it is that he had to have done or whatever they felt was going on with the knee, hey, Peter DeBoer said he saw something where he was uncomfortable and he didn't look comfortable in net. And it took a couple games before that all came crashing down. So 
from top to bottom. I don't know if Robin Leonard's. And, you know, once you get fixed up top, then you get fixed down below. Now you got to go through the recovery process. Well, one has to talk to the other. you got to be able to walk. you got to be able to lift. you got to be able to train. Robin Leonard plays regular season games in November. Yes, no. Yes. Okay, I'll take the no. Okay. He'll play, we'll come up with a bet during the break. He's just got to play one? By November thirtieth, I know you got it. You have a lot of you have a lot of time there. No problem. He'll play one, and then they'll they'll assess they'll assess. I'm not saying now now. I should have I should have reframed that. I should have said he plays regular a regular season. He starts uh, playing regular season like games rotation. by November first, like a rotate by November first. Uh, no, I'm not good. I'm not by November fifteenth. I'm really trying to make a bet no. here. Clearly, no. I want it by the end of November because oh the, the end the, of November. The, the, okay, the, the preseason it starts at the end of September. All right. The regular, yeah. See, you're being, you're trying to finagle and be tricky. The we'll, preseason we'll, we'll, begins at the end we'll of September. Come up, we'll, we'll come up with a cutoff date. Listen, this could be an easy win for you. He might be out there in freaking preseason. I don't think he will, but might be. Right? How about this? You see, why don't imagine you give, he's out there like the second game of the preseason. You're like, I'm in. Why don't Cole you? Cofield's an idiot. Why don't you give me an over under of games played? What's what would the over under be for games played in that? 82 game season. All right, we've tried to make this bet three different ways, but put it on the cheese board. I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a number on games played. All right, all right. This will be a bet. I almost guarantee it. Number three. God, we love to wager. <laughs> I hope he's healthy. I want him to play. I hope he's healthy. I got to root for something because I got to tell you, my Nets. Yeah, longtime Nets fan, going all the way back to the uh, early 80s. What is going on now? Kevin Durant, according to Shams, meeting with Josiah, the owner of the Nets, Durant said, I want to be traded, and now here's the deal. If Steve Nash and Sean Marks, the coach and the GM, are here, I want out. So that question we had all along, like, does he have a problem with Kyrie or not? So it's not Kyrie. He doesn't like management or the coach. Now what do the Nets do? This is a bad position. Talk about forcing a team into the corner. You think the Nets owners are going to fire the freaking coach and GM? This would be amazing to keep KD around. This would be amazing if they did that. I'm just wondering about that talk that they were all going to sit down and have. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is it. Kyrie, well, we're going to we're all going to sit down together. Huh. Yes, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't care what Kyrie says. Maybe they don't all, want the coach or GM to be here. Maybe they're all going to get together to sit down so KD can fire them, and KD maybe he can be the first ever start starting player, GM, and coach. You know, it's funny. Think about going back to the beginning of last season. We got on Kyrie for saying that he and Kevin could coach the team. They'd be fine doing it, and we're all like, "What? Get out of here!" I mean, have, have they been conspiring behind the scenes? Like, yeah, I, no, we really meant it. Maybe they, maybe they, in their own, maybe they were paying attention too much to Athletes Unlimited when the ladies were out here playing, and it was a player-driven team. And the captains, they co- every Sunday they redrafted the players, and they wanted to make their own teams. And the only thing that they had were like they had some WNBA caliber coaches, but they were called uh, I can't even think of the word that they used for them, but they were they were just there to facilitators. That's what they call facilitators. But the captains were players. Natasha Cloud was a captain. Lexi Brown was a captain. Isabel Harrison, right? They were the captains. 
Maybe they got a taste of that by watching it. They were paying attention because they were tweeting about it. Number two. How aggressive can you be as an autograph seeker? Josh Allen's running off the field. He's running through the tunnel. Someone from like 15 rows up throws an object down at Allen. It hits him right in the sack. We think he didn't go down in a heap or anything, but it looked to hit him hit, like it hit him in the groin. He threw it sea high. It, yeah, as Pedro said, he, it, that was a football in a box, right? Yeah, it was still in the box. Like the edge of that. I mean, uh, listen, if the football tip goes in your groin, that's going to hurt. But listen. like the edge of a box thrown from like twenty feet away, that's not good. And Josh Allen turned around. At, we, could you hear what he said? I couldn't hear what he said, but he definitely no. pointed yeah. and sort of yelled at the guy. He said something because. The uh, someone videoed it from across the way, and they were like, "Oh, like Josh Allen had just gotten on the sand." For fans, come on, this is not the only opportunity you're going to get to get an autograph. You're throwing a football in a box at the player from 20 feet away. Like you expect, was he going to pick it up and be nice about it's, it? Stop. Yeah, and it's not like he said, "Okay, throw it." Yeah, he just wasn't even looking. Him. Yeah, he wasn't even looking. So that's you know, and what you're talking about, just grazing that area, just just a graze, can be <laughs> it can be very painful. Yes, I mean, I remember. We got you. You don't have to tell. Drunk, you, drunk, don't, you don't have to tell stories. The drunken days walking around with the plucking. I hated that. Yeah, I never see? did it. I don't know what you guys were doing. I had that happen one time. I asked, uh, who the hell was it? Uh, one of the MMA fighters. Um, I was like, hey, what's going on with the bag tag? I'm like, what are you guys doing all the time? You know, kind of like ripping them. Yeah. Yeah, he tagged. Yeah. Uh, I went down. I went down to a knee. I was like, so okay. imagine cut a, a box. With a box, and people know if you're listening, when a football comes in, standing straight up in those boxes, those hard corners, and he's firing it from however many rows up, and the speed it's taken, and it smacks him. That's just, I mean. Can you imagine if, what if the box had been a little lower, it actually got caught between his legs, he tripped, and had to be taken out of the stretcher? Would that fan actually just be stabbed at the stadium? It, what like if, if you're a Bills fan, you're like, minute. what did you what did you just do? Wait a minute, Josh Allen was wearing a ball cap. What if it comes down and hits him in his God, eye? Got some, yeah, yeah, in the eye. Does permanent damage to his eye. All of a sudden, torn retina, done, gotta wear a patch, done. I mean, anything and, and, and we're and we're sitting here, you're listening and you're going, Oh, come on, come on. Okay, but these are freak accidents that happen. Like like the outlandish stories, like, okay, story of the year. Anything like that could happen. When you do something stupid. Number one. All right, game two is coming up. For the Raiders, preseason game number two. Against the Vikes. Lots to look forward to here. What's the running back picture going to look like? Does Derek Carr get any playing time at all? Devontae Adams out there. What's the latest health-wise with Chandler Jones? Do we see Max Crosby? What's the rotation with the offensive line? Seems like there could be some movement coming up. Maybe someone is brought from the outside. But the big story this morning was Josh Jacobs played on Thursday. A lot of people were shocked by that. Starting running back, playing in the first of four preseason games. Then there was some chatter from the national media like, hey, maybe he's being showcased. Maybe he'll be traded. Josh McDaniels addressed that this morning. We're trying to do what's best for the team. We felt like that was a good thing, a good opportunity for all our backs that played. I, we have a lot of confidence in JJ, and you know he did well with his opportunities, which we which we hoped he would, and he did. But no, that has we have no desire to do that at all. Okay, and we believe him, right? We're ninety nine percent in. 
This week. This week. Okay, I guess you're not 99% in. Well, he, he, see, he answered the question. Yeah. We have no desire to do that. But right. that doesn't mean that desire in week change. three, right. the desire could change because right. something came up. If they've got a picket fence at right tackle, then things could change. If there's an injury somewhere else or someone's underperforming. Hey, listen, we, had no, we, had, we didn't know that the Patriots, I've worked with this guy. He's a fantastic offensive lineman. We need this offensive lineman. So it, it it allowed us to free up a little bit of salary. We we already you know blah 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 blah. We bring him in, and now we're gonna lock up Darren Waller. Did, I believe everything that he said right for right this now. week. Right now, yeah, yep, that's it. I'd love to see Jacobs on the team because he's their best pure runner. Uh, they have other guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Drake and Bolden are gonna be good at that. Zemir White is you know a project for maybe the future, maybe this year. But Jacobs is the best of the running backs. I and he's gonna be driven. Okay, so now I need to disclaimer this, that obviously I made my prediction earlier, right, this summer, that I didn't feel that I felt that it was going to be Drake and Zamir White. And then last week, or I think it was, I said, have I changed my tune? I still have the same thought process, but I love what I'm seeing from Josh Jacobs. I love what I've heard from Josh Jacobs. I believe and have bought into what he said and when he told us that he worked on his body, he worked on his mind, he worked on everything. So I, too, would like to see him succeed. But I'm just not sold on that the regime is sold on him yet. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Great place to, to play. Excited to, to you know be with our, our fans and Raider Nation in there and uh, just see what that's like you know during the course of a game. And I understand it's a preseason game, but I think our team's excited. You know We have a lot of guys that have never played in this stadium either. So definitely excited. This is going to be fun on Sunday. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Josh McDaniels talking about his first chance in game action to be in Allegiant Stadium. Should be a raucous atmosphere against the Vikings. Now, the biggest question going on right now around the Raiders today, and we'll probably get an answer here in the next day and a half or so, is Brandon Parker was not at practice today. He had a rough game in that Hall of Fame game. They had him play left tackle instead of, you know, heads-up battle against Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. He struggled at left tackle. McDaniel said after the game, like, uh, you, know, I, you know, basically, we don't really want to hear excuses about, hey, it was a different position. Everyone's got to play lots of positions. So Parker wasn't out there this morning. There are some Raiders bloggers who are reporting that he's been put on IR. Uh, Vinny over on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, our morning host, along with Clay and Heidi, said that Parker going on IR, or Parker being placed on IR, not true. But I would also add in yet. So I don't know what the injury is. I don't know if it's serious. So we're going to find out soon. And this is the scenario we were talking about earlier, right, Willie? Where things change in the preseason based on injuries and that whole Josh Jacobs, you know, we're not going to trade him. It's a wait and see. It's a wait and see. And it doesn't mean that he has to be traded to get offensive line help. They could sign someone from outside the organization. They could make a different trade. But watching very closely now, uh, Brandon Parker, and I got to tell you, I mean, this goes all the time on social media. You're going to have more negative stuff and a lot of it's anonymous people. But, uh, you know, folks who are constantly pounding on Parker after game one. They're like, he sucks! It was one preseason game. He was actually 
somewhat reliable at times last year as a guy who had, you know, some flexibility moving across the line. So I hope he's not down for the year. That doesn't solve anything by getting him out of the mix. That would suck. It doesn't make excuses, but he was going up against a guy who was certainly driven for the, he was, you know, this was a game that he was very driven for, just like Zamir White was in the number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. And he got beat a couple times by him, but he and Parker wasn't the only one that he mowed over. But I mean, he had you know, and and former Raider Arden Key had some big plays against the offensive line. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, you don't you don't want to see anybody go down with an injury. This especially you know after one preseason game, um, but it certainly doesn't make it any easier with so many question marks as to where McDaniel's is going to put people, but. The fact that he's using people at different spots and he wants everyone to know three, four positions, be dirt, be versatile. Uh, you know, his options are there, but you don't want to be thin. Field DH reports that uh, the Raiders worked out Danny Shelton, who was a first round pick, number 12 pick in 2015, defensive tackle, career so far with the Browns, the Patriots, the Lions, the Giants last year. Beefy guy, 6'2, 345. So we'll see if they're going to add some help. On the defensive line, but this this process, you knew you knew the Raiders were going to be aggressive over the course of this month. If they have needs, they've got roughly you know a little over twenty million dollars in cap space, so some things are going to happen, and they're certainly they're going to need to happen if Parker is actually going on IR. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Clifford was drafted by the Oakland Raiders. And when this occurred, his blood turned silver and black. It was Al Davis who said, the fire that burns brightest is the will to win. Clifford was born with the will to win. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. Good induction speech. Elaine Anderson, Cliff Branch's sister, was up there. A lot of Raiders, former Raiders. Uh, in attendance, obviously, the organization played in the Hall of Fame game just a few days earlier. But we always like to get Hall of Famers on just to talk about what a special weekend it is. And Ari did a really good job of tracking down Ronnie Lott. And uh, Hall of Famers, nice enough to join. Stephen Willie here in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Doing good. What a what a, an amazing weekend. It was uh, phenomenal. And to me, um, like it always is, it, it's phenomenal because you get to rub shoulders to with people that literally changed the game and, 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 and guys that are amazing athletes who have um, not only greatness in the game of football, but greatness in the game of life. And, and so you get a chance to spend time with them. And, and for me, it, it's a great moment because you also get a chance to spend time with, you know, my best friend, so Marcus Allen and, and so it's just a lot of great things about being in that situation. Of course, to watch, you know, Cliff, you know, go in and, and, and knowing Cliff over the years and and competing against him and and, and being around him, um, clearly he was one of the greats and one of the toughest guys and one of the guys who literally my rookie year told me, hey, man, you can't cover me. <laughs> so, so, so nice. you know, you have those moments where you sit there as a young guy, and you you're being, you know, you're 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 trying to, you know, 
you're trying to be a part of the fraternity and 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 then you have those moments where someone makes a comment like that and and what I love about that is that um all the times that I was around him always treated me like a guy who was one of his and part of his community and uh I was lucky to to be a part of his community again because of my relationship with Marcus and and so um it was great to always be around him but yeah it was tough covering him <laughs> and he was really fast a lot faster than people you know people don't you know we 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 know fast but but then there's cliff branch fast and and he was he was an incredible weapon but in a, a, a very talented person who was committed to his craft yeah, you mentioned his speed, and he comes from a sprinter's background. But you know, a lot of guys try the NFL from the sprinter's background. What was what was the difference with him? Like he's like you know the one in fifty guy who actually has the combination to make it in the league. Because we saw a lot of guys even in that era who were great sprinters who just couldn't make it. Yeah, and I think the reason why they can't make it is you know when you think about running, one of the fascinating things is you're running and and. You know, think about all the great basketball players that you've watched. Imagine how many balls that they catch in the air. Right. Why they catch the ball in the air, and they're doing it, and they're doing it on the run, full speed. And and what I always find is really hard is that to watch, you know, a great basketball player catch it in all different angles and coming from all different areas. And what I think is really amazing is that cliff kind of had that you know and then you know to be around you know bobby chandler to learn how he catches the ball and my point is like you start to see guys who understand how to catch the ball with a lot of a lot of range a lot of different areas and they can catch it you know running a uh, hundred miles an hour or they can catch it up in the air and they can jump while they're you know, running a hundred miles an hour. And, and that's where you find your greatness is that when you look at cliff and you go back and you look at some of the highlights, I mean, he was blowing by guys, but he was also catching balls, you know, in different angles because the ball is never going to come in the same angle. It's going to come a lot of different ways. And the, the real big question is, can you hold on to it? And, and he was able to do that a number of times and, and that's what made him dangerous. And that's why Al realized that, man, if I can find a guy like that, if I can find a guy that has that kind of speed, but also that kind of dynamic attitude of wanting to be a Raider and wanting to play with that kind of chip on his shoulder. And, and Cliff, you know, was the model type. I mean, the model type of somebody that can go deep, somebody that can get past defensive backs, somebody that could change the game. And, and Al, which I think is remarkable, is that he saw a way of having his version of a home run. You know, in, in sports, you know, when, the way he talked to me about it was when he was young that he watched baseball and he watched all these other sports and he was always looking for a way to have a big play. Well, the way you have a big play in football is you throw it deep. And that was his mantra. And that became a kind of a, a, a to me, was 
he was doing that before he was doing that before the game of football when people were always running the ball and they would give the ball to Jim Brown or they would give it to Jim Taylor, you know, and so now all of a sudden you got this new dimension of throwing the ball and now here we are, everybody's throwing the ball. You can't you can't walk out your house with somebody not throwing a football. So the game has changed and and and, and it's for the better because to me um, watching the ball in the air, watching guys make great plays, and 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 here I am as a defensive back, kind of trying to say good things about wide receivers. But yeah, it's also something that I believe where I always wanted to be the best, you know, defender. And the reason I wanted to be the best defender is that I I wanted to be like one of the great, you know, d- defensive players in basketball because that's what you want. You want to you want to be able to stop people. You want to stop Steph Curry. You want to stop the greats and 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 that's what's, you know, exciting about, you know, playing that position. Once again, we're talking to Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott joining here on Cofield and Company. You know, I'm fascinated by the banter that you shared with him and him saying, "You can't cover me because one of the vi- ongoing videos I watch is the relationship between Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and they had when Kobe was coming in and I look at an article that just I'm listening to you rave about Cliff and then I'm I just saw an article that just came out a couple of days ago on ESPN and you were voted the greatest safety of all time one of two defensive players with four Super Bowl championships 10 Pro Bowls and it says an NFL player defines the way a position should be played and requires opponents to adjust their strategies around him he deserves to be the GOAT when you hear that, it's obviously, I mean, you know what you've accomplished, but to still be recognized a few days ago, it has to sort of put in perspective when you at the Hall of Fame and witnessing all that as well. Well, first of all, you know, that's someone's opinion. And, 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 and when I think about that opinion of those kind of moments, obviously, you know, from a little kid – from day one, always wanted to be, you know, in that environment of wanting to be one of the greats. Charlie Taylor was my guy. Charlie Taylor was the guy that I felt like I wanted to be. I wanted to be a, a, a wide receiver. Then some guy named Jack Tatum was phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. Wanted to be like him, wanted to hit like him, wanted to do everything that he could do. And, and, and and so all of a sudden you start to see all these incredible defensive backs. And then I meet some guy named Mike Haynes that just pulls me aside when I was at USC and says, hey, you know what, you better backpedal low. And, and, and so I can go down the list of guys and people that gave me moments of their life to be able to say, hey, you know, all of those little stories, all of those little moments, led to this and 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 so i'm i mean i'm grateful man when i was i'm sitting there talking to um mr robinson from the green bay packers and he's telling me about vince lombardi and he's telling me about how tough he is and what it was like and i'm sitting there thinking man could i play for him could i play for bill walsh but could i play for vince lombardi and 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 I just have that story you know the I know when I talked to Al Davis, I know what it was like. To, I remember when he called me in on a he called me on a Sunday after a loss, and I was like, "Who's this?" He goes, "It's, it's Mr. Davis." I'm, I called. The, I wanted to know what's 
what happened in the game? Why did we lose? And I'm sitting there going, man, I haven't, I haven't had anyone call me, you know, after a game. And, and here it is, the owner calling me after the game, <laughs> talking to me. And so I pride myself on those kind of moments because I didn't want to let him down and didn't want to let anybody down. And, 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 and the point is that kind of dedication to the game is what I learned at USC, what I learned with being around Marcus, what I learned around being with Dennis Smith, what, it, what I learned being with Bob Toledo as my coach, and what I learned being around Dennis Thurman. And so many people played a role in helping me get to that moment in my life, and all of them played a role in making sure that that happened. And then, of course, my teammates at the 49ers and my teammates with the Raiders, I had a great group of guys when I played with the Raiders. You know, it was just a great group. Terry McDaniel, Lionel, Lionel uh, um, McDaniels, and, and I mean, uh, Lionel Williams, and then uh, Eddie, uh, what's, I can't think of Eddie's last name right now. But anyhow, I had a great group of defensive backs. Defensive backs, and and what's fascinating is that you're in the huddle with them. You're in the huddle with a group of people that are telling you, "Hey, man, let's 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 play our best." And to me, you know, Jack Stanton was my defensive back coach. Did I like Jack? I don't know if I liked him a lot, but Jack got the most of me and got the best of me um, when I played for him. And I'll tell you, man. his his demeanor and his persistence and his, you know, always saying, hey, man, there's a way that you can get better. You know, it led me to having a great year with the Raiders. So a lot of things in your life are due to so many people encouraging you and, and helping you and getting you to see your best and and very fortunate to have those moments where you get a chance to play with great people and people that are really, uh, you know, phenomenal, just phenomenal people. I mean, I'm, I'm to play with Marcus Allen as a defensive back, which people don't even know that he ever suited up as a defensive back, was one of the great moments in my life. <laughs> and I'm glad I had a chance to play with him when he was a defensive back because when he was an offensive back, he never let me hit him. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, you know, uh, one of the great, you know, thrills of my life to be around people like that, that that just gave you their heart every day. And he still gives me his heart every day. Ronnie Lott's with us, former Raider. Of course, uh, most people know him for his play with the Niners, Hall of Famer. You were talking about Eddie Anderson, by the way, earlier in Lionel Washington. Yeah, Eddie Anderson, yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Eddie Anderson could lift up the whole gym. I mean, I used to sit there going, man, what you could do, you're bench pressing 400 pounds? He's like, yeah, I'm, yeah you know, it's, it's nothing. It's, but it's those kind of stories that will, you, they just stay with you for, for life. I mean, and he's, you know, obviously was just a great person, but a great individual who, just again played the game the right way, and so all of those guys were just 
amazing people, amazing people, and it was great playing with them. And 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 I think the best part about it is you're doing it in the silver and black. I mean, some guy named Howie Long was. I remember meeting him. We were both came in as rookies, and I remember sitting there thinking to myself, "Man, I wish I could play with him." He was, <laughs> we were at the we were at the combine, yeah. and I was sitting there going, "Man, that dude right there, he's going to be great." And and you know, he got drafted out of Villa Villanova, and, and he goes, "Man, you're the only guy to talk to me at the combine." Oh wow. <laughs> And so, again, those kind of moments in your life are just phenomenal moments that we bumped into each other at the Combine and, you know, built a relationship there. And so, yeah, I, I, I love this stuff, man. Love the game. Love, love getting to where I got to and love all the things that, that come along with it and, and, and to be friends and to be acquaintances with so many great people and the, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's to me, I, you know, I, the, that Disney stuff, man, it's, it feels that way. It feels <laughs> like I'm, it feels Disney like, you know, that your, that, that your dream came true. Ronnie lots with us. Uh, last thing we got like two minutes left. It, it is pretty fascinating. You know, we were talking about what now, uh, uh, math is hard for me. 31 years ago, how you came to the Raiders, and at the time they were in L.A., and you know, just looking back on a 1991 story, and obviously you live this, so you can tell the audience about it, but uh, teams could protect players, and the Niners left you and Roger Craig and Matt Millen all unprotected. Like, What were you thinking at the time, and then how did things come together with Al Davis to join the Raiders? Uh, funny story. I, you know, here's Matt. Matt obviously was with us. We win the Super Bowl. We ended up then losing the Super We ended up losing a, a championship game. Matt goes to D.C. I'm thinking I might go to D.C. Um, Al says, hey, look, you can come down and play for us. Um, he, you know, obviously tell, tells me about the story and all the things with the Raiders and, and, um, you know, I, I met a lot of guys on the Raiders and knew a lot of guys. And then of course, here's, you know, my, you know, my, my best buddy, um, you know, there. And so just, it, it, it that fit like that fit, that was an incredible fit. It fit so well being, in that environment, it fits so well playing for Coach Art Shell and, and and playing for him, and it fits so well being in that environment. And and so there were a lot of things that that made it even better because you know I'm I'm back in L.A. and my mom and dad they live down there, and I could see them, and you know. And my kids and my wife were really close, and so just a lot of amazing things about the game and and the other games that you have around you and the people that are around you that you wanted to be around. And how can I not want to be around a guy like you know Howie Long and Marcus and and that group of guys because you know I I, I know what put it this way. They loved the game like I loved the game. They played the game like I played the game. 
and you want to be around people that are like-minded and and are willing to do whatever it takes to win. That's that's a, a pretty simple way of looking at life, but I'm glad that I had a chance to be around those guys because they just made me better. They made me a better person. They made me understand the game of of wanting to win, and they also gave me something that is really hard, and that is this idea of trying, you know, harder than than everyone else because they tried harder than everyone else, and and so those type of characteristics are uh, invaluable as you're, you know, as you're trying to line up or trying to be around certain people. Ronnie, thank you so much. Glad you had a great time in Canton. Appreciate you coming on with us on short notice. Thank you. You're quite welcome, man. You guys take care and go Raiders. Oh, there you go. All right. All right. Thank you. There he is, Ronnie Lott, who played with the Raiders in 91, 92, uh, 91 and 92. Right. That year, as a guy who was in his 30s, he had eight interceptions, and we'll come back uh, real briefly and tell you about that season. But Ronnie Lott, I'm with Cofield and Company. That was awesome. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Put your hand in there, Dave. Good conversation with Ronnie Lott. He was out for the Hall of Fame. Why not, right? All the Hall of Famers meet up every year in Canton, get to see their buddies. So he was really moved by that. You know, it's funny looking back. Ronnie Lott played a couple of years with the Raiders, 91 and 92. 1991, they made the playoffs, but they went 9-7. and seven. They started out 9-4, and four, and they collapsed down the stretch. The funny thing is, when I was looking at the team, because we were all around for this, but you forget things, I was like, this team is not exactly loaded with guys in their prime. Like, some of the best players on the team were Greg Townsend. Right, he had twelve sacks, but like Howie Long was an older guy. Yeah, uh, Tim Brown really hadn't emerged yet as you know eighty catch guy. He was still early in his career. The running backs were Roger Craig, Marcus Allen got bumped to backup. Craig was just okay there. Nick Bell, who, you know, obviously very familiar with Nick Bell. Um, Napoleon McCallum was on that team, but Jay Schrader was a quarterback ninety and ninety one, and he was good pushing the ball down the field, but he just wasn't super accurate. But this team that was not like loaded with unbelievable offensive players and numbers. They went nine and seven. Remember the year before, and by the way, Marinovich took over for Jay Schrader late in the season. The year before was the year they went 12 and four with Archell. And then they ran into like the best AFC team of the era. The bills beat them 51 three in the AFC championship game. And the bills had the Scott Norwood miss Mm -hmm. to be upset by the giants. But you actually, you look at some of the years on the rosters they had and the job Archell did. He was a good coach. He does not get enough credit for how good he was. He was winning with nothing against Jay Schrader. We have him on every once in a while. But Jay, you know, Jay would kind of be like the, you know, 17th, 18th best quarterback in the league. He was winning with a mediocre tur- uh, quarterback. Oh. Yes. You said it. Hey, important to note, Ronnie Lott, you know, his first five pro seasons, cornerback. Yeah, he said that. He yeah. mentioned it. Yeah. Then he, he wound up switching. Uh, I think he said it, or maybe I just read it. But, yeah, he uh, wound up switching and being one of the great all-time safeties and legendary stories about Ronnie Lott's toughness. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So speaking of that, we were talking about Robin Leonard earlier. This is speculation looking way ahead, but it's really not that far ahead because the Knights are going to get together here inside of like four weeks, and then they're out on the ice.
for preseason games, Willie, in late September, Leonard really hasn't been heard from or seen anytime recently. So we were just talking about when he first starts playing in regular season games. We couldn't come up with something. All right, so over under on games played by Robin Leonard. You were coming up with it. You said, give me t- I'll come up with something. 41 and a half. I'll go under. I'll go under. The how, a- how low do I have to go? His. Well, here's the reason I said that is because I I divided his total career games by seasons. Right. His average is 30.3. So well, I have to set it at like 36 for you to go over? Well, 40 and a half is good because you went just one below the half half the season, but I I would take the under. That's well, all. we got to find someone else who's a, a Leonard stand. How about over under and, and see if I go over with uh, Logan Thompson? Okay, we can talk about that. Hockey's right around the corner. Uh, by the way, speaking of Leonard stands, maybe I can make a bet tomorrow. Adam Hill will be in on Cofield and Company. Good job getting Ronnie Lott down the stretch there. Have a great Monday night. We'll see you tomorrow. We're out.